Actually, best choice movies, the world's only movie podcast. My name is Chris Chafin. I am one of the hosts, and nobody can tell me any different. Chris, you are one of the hosts. I agree, and I am the other host, Caleb Shively. Uh, that's cool for both of us, I think. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, every week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two different movies. One of them's old, one of them is new. Uh, but they go together like a good time and a cool glass of beer, wouldn't you say, Caleb? I would say cool. I would also say maybe a warm glass. Maybe you left it out because you were having such a good time. You got a little bit heated up, but you still want to drink it because you're thirsty. Or Caleb, maybe you're like European and you like a warm beer, um, or as maybe, in one of our movies this week. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're an alcoholic, like in one of our movies this week. Or like in both of them, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're doing uh, another round that's from 2021, 2020. Uh, that, and then we're also doing smashed from 2012. Uh, that's all this week on actually best choice movies. Another round is uh, the new film from Danish director Thomas Vinterberg stars Mads Mikkelsen, who's, you know, famous to most people as the Hannibal from the TV show Hannibal. Um, Vintberg, uh, I didn't know this until looking up about this movie, but he was the person that launched like the Dogma 95 movement with the movie The Celebration. It's a very famous movie if you're a certain kind of nerd like me. Um, and obviously Dogma 95, most famous for Lars von Trier. Um, another round is about Mickelson's character who along with a bunch of late middle-aged friends decide to see if their joyless routine lives would be better if they were just slightly drunk all the time and then like a little more drunk and then a little more drunk until they're stumbling into faculty meetings at the high school where they're all teachers which is kind of funny uh and speaking of kind of funny it's a black comedy uh that's at times extremely bleak and also at times like very joyful uh it's a mood that's made all the more poignant by the circumstances around the movie which i was saying to caleb is one of the things first things i heard about this movie originally it was supposed to co-star vinterberg's 19 year old daughter and he like wrote the script with her in mind and she had read the script and then just just as they were beginning to work on the movie uh she died in a car accident she was 19 years old so obviously like the movie goes on the shelf and the whole thing kind of disappears for a while, but then eventually like Venterberg takes it out. He reworks the script. Obviously it's not, it, the plot is totally different now. Well, not the plot. Not, I don't actually, I don't know if the plot is totally different, but let's say it's not about him and his teenage daughter in the movie. Mads Mikkelsen doesn't even have a teenage daughter. Uh, he has two teenage sons. So, um, but the movie that we got, it's like so much richer and darker and funnier and it ultimately is getting at the question of like why even continue to be alive and i think you know it comes to some pretty you know 
some lessons that are like good and not hokey. And I found like actually deeply moving and they could only come from someone who has gone through something so awful and come out the other side somehow, at least, you know, temporarily. Um, I like this movie a whole lot, Caleb. What did you think about this movie? Yeah, I think, I think it's a very good movie. I think it's accolades are deserved. Uh, I am a fan of Vinterberg. Uh, Chris mentioned he's a, made the first uh, Dogma 95 film, The Celebration, which, check it out, that's cool. It's a very cool movie. Uh, it has accolades itself. Uh, and he previously worked with Mads Mikkelsen on The Hunt, which was nominated for an Oscar. And uh, this movie just made the short list of international Danish for Dane uh, features at the Oscars. And Mads won uh, Best Actor at Cannes for The Hunt. Uh, Hunt, great movie. Uh, uh, but also, uh, Vinterberg This movie, though, Mikkelsen in this movie, Dogma, right? How? Oh no! Sorry, well, to interrupt. I was just going to say ahead. more about yeah, Vinterberg. It, uh, like he's made some like weird movies too. Like he's a dogma experimental filmmaker, and I love that. But like, I don't know if anyone knows Dear Wendy. Uh, I think a lot of critical consensus is that we don't like it. It's a movie written by Lars von Trier that he directed. That I don't know. It glamorizes guns in a way that the all the characters love their guns. I don't know. It's a very fucked up film that. I kind of like because it's what fucked year up, but is also this movie don't like from? I, well, uh, it wasn't only that long ago. It was maybe like around uh, 2009, I forget, or so. But it's like Jamie Bell <laughs> wow. and uh, Michael Arcanano. Oh. And yeah, it's a weird ass movie. Uh, anyway, uh, this movie, Another Round, uh, is probably the most straightforward and less dark. And there is like a little bit of darkness in this movie that I like, but it's such a well uh, crafted movie. And the filmmaking in general. Uh, treats its subject matter, which is, you know, drinking uh, in a pretty fair and balanced way. And it depicts both the highs and the lows and doesn't overtly glamorize or demoralize either. I mean, it does both those things, but not in like a overt preachy lectury manner. And that's, I think was what I loved about it. And also like, it's also a great film about a midlife crisis, <laughs> like finding yourself in your middle aged years. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, as, as a star vehicle for Mads Mikkelsen, that dude. Oh my God! Has well, this is what I was going to say. He continues to continue having it. Yeah. Well, look, I have never was somebody that was super into Hannibal, the TV show. I actually have never even watched it at all. It just definitely doesn't seem like the kind of thing that I I would like, you know? But I know Mads Mikkelsen has this like huge cult on like Twitter from doing this, from doing Hannibal. People are so crazy about him. And I wasn't really familiar with him like at all. And watching this movie, I was like, yeah, this fucking guy rules. He's so good in this movie. Like he's kind of good looking and he's kind of pathetic looking. And he, um, he goes in this movie, he gives this amazing range of performance where at the beginning of the movie, he's supposed to be like so meek yeah. and so withdrawn from life. And he's so pathetic. He's like out to dinner with his friends and, you know, he can, he's like starts crying for no reason. And everybody's obviously very worried about him. Uh, and then by the end of the movie, he's become a completely different person, you know, and and the way Mickelson does this like transformation seems completely earned and realistic, even if like occasionally the beats of the plot are a little bit like, you know, they're not like the, the best in the world, you know, but the, he's just giving such humanity to the performance. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, knowing what you know about Vinterberg and the, the background of this movie, there's especially a scene, the scene where I'm talking about where the him and his guy friends all go out to dinner it's like a fancy dinner for one of them's 40th birthday which is weird because the rest of them are all like 55 but like one of them is young so one of them it's his 40th birthday and um 
they're all talking and laughing, having a good time. And you're just looking at Mads, looking at them. And this is a scene we've seen in a million different movies where it's like, this guy isn't having fun and everybody else is having fun. But the way he fucking does it, man, it's just like, it works so good. It's so beautiful. I felt like I had never seen yeah. it in a movie before. Yeah, uh, even though it's an ensemble, like it's rightly to settle on the Mads Mikkelsen's character's name's Martin. Uh, like the act, actor himself, like has such an aura of dignity. I think that's why everyone responded yes. to him as Hannibal so much. Uh, but yeah, uh, like we're saying, like at the beginning, you see that his malaise. He's a teacher. He's going through the motions, and then he becomes motivated. And that's like every step of the movie is filtered through him and like his growth in this experiment that they're taking. And there's like not just uh, like the big growth of like, oh yeah, he's uh, doing better. Like there's a lot of like subtle stuff that really like sells it too, like uh, a reaction after taking a drink or just like his eyes beam a little bit. Uh, and there's like a great line that um, it's throughout the scene where it's like in the middle of the movie, uh, the experiment's going well. Uh, uh, he's doing really well at school. Uh, he's found this vigor for teaching because he has a higher blood alcohol content. And one of the other teachers says to him, uh, who's also in on the experiment, uh, he says, you were all fired up and laid back at the same time. And I was watching it and I was like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, he is, man. That's fucking perfect. That's toe in the line. That's how you fucking live life. Yeah. So, I mean, the movie does make um, getting a little bit drunk look like it's really cool. I mean, just just uh, to lay out the plot a little bit in more detail, it's it's almost like a men's health article or like an Esquire article uh, come to life. It's like they read about some philosopher who says, if you were just 0.05 drunker, you're that's like the human body should be that drunk. I think all the there is a, a Danish philosopher who said that there, like, the, there's a human error that there's a 0. 0.5 uh, er, margin of error that we should all have, we should all be have a 0. 0.5 drunk all the time because uh, that helps us be who achieve our actuality, which is kind of cool. And through the first part of the film, uh, you know, the rising action, uh, it does work out great for everyone. <laughs> Well, yeah, like like in the beginning of the movie, it seems like a great idea. And in fact, uh, according to the text of the movie, things only start to get fucked up as they get more and more drunk. Yeah. So true. if they could have just kept it at 0.05, it they really like... do. They, 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 for the sake of experimenting, they heighten up their drinking. Uh, and it's not just like having fun and having a good time, too. Uh, like there is like some great things that they do with the drinking. Like it, they say it helps loosen you up and builds your confidence and helps open you up emotionally. And there's scenes where they actually do that uh like the music teacher has a great scene where he's uh getting emotionally involved with his students uh the gym teacher uh coaches this little little kid soccer specs oh, is God, this nerdy kid specs. who relates to him oh. <laughs> uh there's this one great moment where uh there's a student they're, they're all high school like uh, high school teachers a student who keeps failing and they tell him one of the teachers tells him you know just take a drink before it's gonna help you relax uh, and it, they have a scene later on the movie where that actually helps the kid like drinking actually helps this kid through his with his nerves and his anxiety through test taking oh my god i know it's so beautiful i mean um yeah but i mean in the beginning part of the movie yeah it looks fantastic to be a little bit drunk all the time it seems like a great idea they all like you're saying they're all interacting so much better with their 
uh, with their at work and then also Mads with his wife. He's like so distant mm-hmm. from his wife. And at a certain point, she's like sobbing after they have after he's like confidently booked a family vacation. And then they fuck in the tent after playing games all night. She's like sobbing, saying like, oh, I missed you so much, you know, <laughs> and it's like all because of drinking. You know, it, it's great and it's a fun film. But then like it does do the flip side of it. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> and especially with his wife stuff, especially with Martin. Uh, to get to the other characters uh, a little bit, because it is like their four main characters, but it is Matt's movie more so. Uh, their names are Nikolaj, who's the psychology teacher. He has a wife and three kids. Uh, his kid has a urinating problem and ends up peeing on him multiple times, and it comes back where Nikolaj is the one who ends up peeing now because he's so drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's a flip side of that where the lonely guy, his name is Peter, he's the music teacher. And then uh, the one who has too much fun and too much into the drinking is of course the gym teacher. That's just hmm, makes narrative sense. Uh, and that just gets off to like the uh, actual darkness of how this can go when you uh, up your out blood alcohol. Come, they up it to like 2%. Like, I don't think it, yeah, which is no, they go up to like 0.1% and then they go up to like one, maybe like 1.5. That's over one, it's like 1.5, which is kind of insane. And like they show how insane that is. And they are like super, super drunk by that They don't point. apologize like, for them either. And it's interesting. One of the kind of dumb thing about the movie is like, so it's, it's on Amazon Prime. Obviously, I'm watching it with subtitles. And um, but on the screen, they're doing the thing where they're showing you the blood alcohol volume, but it's up there in a European way where it's like the decimal point is in kind of a funny place if you're an American. (laughs) So just looking at the screen, it appears to be saying they have like point four point six percent blood alcohol where if you had like point six blood alcohol you would literally be dead like you would not like like point six means 60 percent of your blood is alcohol, (laughs) you know, like you would be dead. But it, it means 0.06, but it's just the way that it's done in, in Europe. But I that did take me out of the movie for a second because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, what you have to say about this movie is like, you know, thinking about the Vinterberg stuff and like um, thinking about the, um, you know, the way it's the informed what the movie's like it's about friendship you know and it's about the relationships we have with other people and it's about caring for someone else and trying to like connect with people and help other people and like genuinely like be present for the people that matter to mm-hmm. you and like about, that's yeah, so beautiful it's so beautiful and i mean it's uh, it's like a movie about male friendship right like as a movie about male friendship this is amazing i mean we were trying to think of movies about this last week right yeah. but like this is maybe the best movie about male friendship i've ever seen in my life sure sure it's up there yeah uh, i would also say it's a movie about what's doing what's right for you because not only uh like we said in friendship with the Romeo and michelle doing what's right for you um like he understands that drinking is good for him to a certain extent. And he also understands that, and we'll get probably this in the more other movie that the relationship he has probably can't withstand some of what makes him happy too. Uh, and that's great. And it movie ends in a, a beautiful note too. Oh my um, God. I mean, the last scene yeah. of the movie is so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it takes it's... advantage of all of Mads Mikkelsen's talents. If you didn't know, yeah. Mads and it's Mikkelsen. on all the posters yeah. and it's on all the, like, yeah, I didn't see this scene before. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone would talk about it. Um, but yeah, to get more to the uh, Ida Vinterberg, his daughter uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that at first. I, I didn't really read much about the, the film before. I just 
was all in a bunch of year-end lists. I'm a fan of Vinterberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just read it when I was doing some research today, and I was like floored by it because there's no watching this film, I had no sense that this was made under any duress because it's such a confidently made film. And reading about it too, it, it just felt like everyone came to support Thomas Vinterberg. Uh, yeah, because great... they all know each other. I mean, this is, it's so beautiful because it's like, it's a movie about them being friends, but then like meta textually, all of them are friends and they're all there trying to help their friend through a bad time, which is also what the movie is about. And it's, it's like, and they're all trying to cheer him up when in the on screen, they're supposed to be trying to cheer up Mads Mikkelsen's character. And like, it's, it's, it's so beautiful, yeah, right? I, I, I was reading like, uh, interviews with both of them and they they've said as much that like uh they were making me laugh uh you could when they were being funny in the film i could tell it was just for me they were doing this for and there's a great thing that uh uh mads mickelson said that i'll read right now uh thomas said to me at one point listen i can lie in a fetal position for 24 hours or i can lie in that fetal position for 12 hours i choose 12 and i want to make this film for her and it's because of her we're doing the film that is the most inspiring thing to for oh your friends. God. Like it's, oh it was four days into the shoot that this tragic event occurred. No one would absolutely blame them for rep, taking it home, wrapping it up. It's a nightmare scenario, yeah. absolutely right. nightmare scenario. I probably would have packed it up myself, but to rally around uh, and, and like you said, his daughter read his scripts and this is one of her favorite scripts. He wanted to honor her and, Congratulations to him. He's made uh, outstanding. And and within his filmography, for him, I think it's uh, unique and possibly his one of his best films. I would say maybe his best film. I like the celebration a lot, but also just a Dogma 95 film. And, right. You know, yeah. It's like Dogma 95. I mean, I like, look, I mean, what I love in film, what I love in art is I love something that like pierces through everything. And this is a Danish movie, right? It's in it's in Danish, like it's it's in subtitles. And there are things about it that are like weird European things that I don't totally identify with. But despite all of that, it pierces through all that at what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, and like why you should ever give a shit about anything. And I think that like it has some very wise things to say about all of those topics. And like I, this is what I want in art. And I thought it was so beautiful you know yeah uh it said something not necessarily new but it messaged the way it messaged that you know drinking has this duality it's a great fun thing and also watch yourself with it too like well it's interesting because i think i think in a certain like it is a movie about drinking but it's also like not a movie about drinking like certainly there is a lot of stuff about drinking in the movie and it's they spend a lot of time on screen making drinks and drinking drinks and getting super drunk but you know zoomed out a little bit it's about being alive and what we're trying to get out of being alive and you know and i think this is one of the weird european things but it's like breaking the rules a little bit in order to have a better life which is like a really radical idea if you're like an upper middle class european person but it's like not as much here you know yes especially if you apply that to like these are middle-aged guys and uh the midlife crisis has been showed in so much movie and this is probably a midlife crisis. Like, oh, let's experiment to drink. That probably reeks of a midlife crisis of what they're going through. Yeah, right. uh, and it does help them to do it. And in a social aspect, in a way that makes them feel confident aspect too. And it does show drinking's fun. <laughs> it, 
I mean, it, it, you, it just is fun to be drunk. It is fun yeah. to drink and it is fun to be drunk. I mean, yeah. it does. what I love too is you were talking before about the like, you know, eventually things go badly for all of them. And until a certain point, really, the 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 bad stuff that happens, the consequences, like they aren't really like that bad. They're just kind of like, if you're a responsible adult, these would be embarrassing to you. But it's not like, anybody runs their car over a field of children or like, you know, accidentally shoots off their foot or the kinds of things that would happen in like an American movie. I think they're just kind of like, like, Oh, I did this like dumb thing and now I feel really dumb about it, you know, (laughs) which I thought was so much more realistic and so much more like I identified with, you know, I did look into uh, the film opens up with this thing called the Lake run, which is a drinking game played by the high school students and uh, in the Danish country they're in, which is uh, Dane, Daneland. Denmark, Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Denmark. Uh, that is a, a lower drinking age. They do uh, drink, start drinking as teenagers. It is very much a part of their culture. And the lake run is a real thing. <laughs> um, so that is a fun way to not only a little bit confuse the foreign audience who doesn't familiar with it, but also to introduce the Danish culture and also to show that these guys kind of want to recapture their youth a little bit as their teachers and are surrounded by this youth all the time. And there is a part where he's teaching. He's like, I'm going to relate to you guys drinking. And then he starts talking about <laughs> the great drinkers throughout history, which was a cool scene because uh, again, reading about Vinterberg, he says he was inspired by writing about through how much Churchill and uh, FDR drank themselves and were like badasses in history. Like, Oh, they got shit done because of drinking. <laughs> To an extent. Well, I thought that was really interesting, too, because so there's this whole introduction about this philosopher and they're doing this thing. They're doing this experiment. And it kind of makes it seem like when you see them drinking, it's like they don't really seem like they're having fun. It's like they're like taking medicine to, to do a thing at, at the very, very, very beginning. And then it's like, right, their lives are going so well. They're doing so great. And and I found myself writing in my notes. I was like, isn't this just how human society has worked for like 4,000 years? Is <laughs> like everybody is a little bit drunk all the time. Like, like since from ancient Greece to ancient Rome to like kings and queens and the writing of the Declaration of Independence and like fighting World War II, wasn't everybody like just kind of drunk all the time? And then immediately the movie is like, hey, by the way, all these famous people from history were drunk all the time. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm glad to see the movie acknowledging that. Hey, uh, part of the reason why Trump was the worst president, teetotaler, teetotaler. I mean, dude, I mean, what can you say? If he, I mean, I'm a god. Up. If he's like this sober, imagine what he'd be like drunk. <laughs> miserable. He'd be miserable. We'd uh, make it, he'd bring us all down with him, even more so than he did. Let's not talk about him. He's a or maybe he'd be having a great time, you know? Maybe he'd be having a great That's time. True. Maybe he does seem like he could let loose, hopefully somewhat. He does get peed on by porn stars. <laughs> Yeah, that's how he likes to let loose. Allegedly, (laughs) allegedly. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, and it was interesting to me. I mean, look, I know I'm like a white man and I can't say this kind of thing, but like representation matters. Okay, Caleb. And it was nice to see a movie about older people where they weren't like millionaires. Like, I feel like one of the things of the Judd Apatow movies is all of his, all of his characters have like, jobs where it makes sense that they live in the kinds of houses that Judd Apatow's friends live in, you know? And so they're all, it's all, it takes place because he's writing honest scripts, true to his life, but everybody he knows is a multimillionaire. Do you know what I mean? And they just live in this kind of LA rich person world. 
And like, sure, that's sure. a big part of the movies about, about being an adult, like an older adult, like <laughs> in America that aren't like crazy serious dramas. So it was great to see a movie about like, just like kind of regular guys, like in their fifties. I, Cause I, I like, we're all going to be in our fifties, God willing, you know, like, so it was great yeah. to see that and to be like, wow, like, I guess you, it sucks, but you can kind of still do it. And, you know, it was, yeah, I felt really seen and I really liked it. Yeah. It's way better than wild hogs. Uh, but yeah, you just said representation matters where 90% of the movies in the world are about the white people. I don't know, dude. Yeah, sure. I don't Thanks. think, I don't think movies I do. Um, Obviously it was a joke. So I agree that you're totally right. But like at the same time, like movies that are legitimately genuinely about like getting older in this way, that's nicely done where it's not like red or it's not like looper, you know, or it's not like um, the, the expendables, yeah. you know, the bucket list, wild hogs, yeah, about space Schmidt. cowboys. I like about Schmidt. Like, these movies are all ridiculous garbage. Whereas this movie is a yeah, there a should true be uh, piece good of movies, beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you have anything else you wanted to yeah. say about this movie, Caleb? <laughs> uh, no, we could move on. We didn't do our opening bit, but we could use it to segue into more we can move them make it officially the middle part now yeah do you want to let's do that that sounds fun um <laughs> yeah so um i don't really have a segue for this but like here's this other part of the show <laughs> i mean we're talking about movies about drinking and like if you think of you know drinking in movies there's a great history of uh drunks in movies and uh i mean since the very scenes. beginning of film right since I the mean, very uh, beginning think, of film think of some of the timeless characters uh james bond is a uh, is drinks a lot uh the big lebowski he always has his white russians alan from the hangover made zach galifianakis a star uh but i think it uh movies can come in the drinking is fun version which is a lot of Comedies, a lot of college movies, Bluto and Animal House, uh, Strange. Wait, can movie. I just say The Lost Weekend is from 1945, Caleb, and that's not even the first big movie about drinking. I think like acting drunk, it's it goes back to you know Charlie Chaplin, and you know people are getting drunk in M by Fritz Lang. Like it's a it's just a thing. Of, yeah, it was even in cartoons because, with the X's in the eyes and X's on the thing. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, like I was saying, the drinking is fun category, college movies, comedies. Uh, I think Superbad uh, is a movie we should canonize more often. That's a great movie where they're just having fun drinking. Again, they're like youthful kids. Sideways, to an extent, is a fun <laughs> drinking movie. Yeah, I feel uh, like that movie has such a bad rap these days. I haven't gone back and watched it in a really long time because I'm scared I would hate it. But you know, it was like fine. That. For like it Alexander was fine. Pena. I like Alexander yeah. Pena. And maybe it, it should hold up again as we're repraising Sandra O's wonderful career. She's a, a legend of our time. Uh, but those are the drinking is fun. There's also the drinking is sad. And those also get a lot of like good performances. Uh, uh, Nick Cage won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. Uh, the Bukowski movie at Barfly with Mickey Rourke, I thought was so good. Uh, there's a uh, Blake Edwards movie, uh, Days of Wine and Roses, where he got a uh, Great performance, a uh, drunk performance uh, out of Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon's this guy who gaslights his uh, sober girlfriend into drinking more, and it just gets darker, and it goes through their years of marriage. Uh, even uh, more recently, uh, uh, Everything Must Go with Will Ferrell was an opportunity for mm -hmm. him to stretch his dramatic. Uh, I'm a big fan of The World's End, which is the last of the 
Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, and that has. Are a you very... really a big fan of that movie? Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah, the, the weakest the, the, one the of Nick, those three movies, don't you? They're I all mean... great. They're all great. I'm not going to say anyone's the weakest, but uh, the Nick, uh, the Nick, uh, I forget his last name. Nick Angel's the one from the other movie, but uh, Simon Pegg's character in The World's End uh, really goes through this, uh, like, oh, he's a fun drunk, and then like, oh no, they flip. Uh, he this is like he gets to act a little bit darker than he usually does. Uh, and then there's movies that are both fun and sad in their drinking. I think we just talked about uh, how wonderful another round was. Uh, I think Arthur was kind of like that uh, with Dudley Moore. Uh, where he's just <laughs> Wait, can I? I mean, if, if we're just talking about like, uh, yeah, one movie I always think of too is, um, you know, last summer or two summers ago, I guess I was obsessed with reading these Raymond Chandler novels. So I watched The Long Goodbye, the version from 1973. Um that's directed Altman, by yeah. Robert Altman. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but supposedly one of the things about that movie is they were just drunk the entire time. Like it, they were all drunk. There's men- multiple scenes where there's like big drunken parties and fights and they were all just really drunk the entire time. I mean, and I think that is many, many, many movies as a matter of fact. Speaking of doing your best work when you're a little drunk, I mean, these people were like beyond that. I, I And I think there's a lot of films that are like that. Gould does have that swinging loose energy uh, where he's a little bit like tipsy a little bit, but going through in a very confident way. Elliot Gold, early Elliot Gold, 70s Elliot Gold, man. That's a vibe. He was like a heartthrob, right? I mean, he, it's very weird to see a movie like... <laughs> I don't know um, if he's a heartthrob. He was. If you see a movie like uh, <laughs> uh, A Bridge Too Far, um, he's like, he's. it makes no sense that Elliot Gold is in this movie, except that he was like a heartthrob. I guess like he was like in Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. And, uh, he's attractive in MASH, I guess. Dude. People had Ma- MASH crush. You can watch movies from thinking, the 70s. They they are shooting Elliot Gould like, like he's movies. sexy, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah they, they did. I mean, even in Long Goodbye, I think he's just more of a cool actor. I, I'm a huge fan of California Split, not his, uh, another Altman film he did. Mm. Uh, but yeah, MASH. Oh, yeah, the, there's that uh, famous thing they always are showing on Twitter where a picture of him and Grover from the cover of TV Guide. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, where he looks sexy as hell and Grover's like feeling on him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, movies about getting drunk. I mean, uh, I mean, of course, this isn't a movie, but the number one thing I think of is like Mad Men, right? As far as like a thing that had an impact in my life. And it's really funny because apparently the plan all along was to show that Don Draper became like a terrible alcoholic and was, you know, it ruined his life and stuff. But they didn't really get to that shit till like season three. And because of the way Mad Men was produced, I think it was like three full years before season three even started airing. So it had this very weird effect on culture of the 2000s where like the first season, which is supposed to be just like this part of another round where they're like having fun and getting drunk before the bad stuff starts happening. That existed as just culture for like two or three years where it was just like, yeah, getting drunk is awesome. And everybody was like drinking cocktails all the time. There was this whole revival of cocktail culture and like yeah, old fashions became this came back, yeah. old fashions. Everybody's drinking liquor constantly. And then and then the show was like, oh, no, this this stuff is bad. Like, actually, we think this stuff is bad. Like, LOL on all of you guys that you were having these like madmen parties where you're getting drunk and stuff like. I mean, that was like pretty interesting. I mean, Don Draper is, you know, an all time alcoholic character. Yeah, that's a good rundown of things. There's some other, I think Swingers is a good example of a movie that's funny about drinking, but if you really look at it, it's, they're, they're pathetic guys. <laughs> uh, but also I don't really like Swingers and maybe I missed the point of it. Um, Caleb. John Favre was doing is... fine though, so who cares? Caleb, one of the most embarrassing things about me is that, and there's a lot by the way, 
is that I love I loved the movie Swingers so much as a teenager. Like I oh, really, yeah. really, <laughs> really loved it. Uh, it was oh, one of the only VHS shirt. cassettes that I owned. I watched it so many times. I watched Swingers like a million times. I had the soundtrack. I, I listened like to the soundtrack the constantly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, I know. I agree with you. But uh, it was yeah. just a really big, very, very, very formative experience for me. Baby, you are so money and you don't even know it. You want to go talk about the next, you want to talk about the next movie? Yeah, it's uh, Smashed from James Ponsold. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. No! Yeah! Last night, I ended up <laughs> smoking crack. I think I need to slow down. Yeah? I'll help you. Using a bruising and raw relationship drama to blaze through its more familiar broad beats, Smash premiered at the 2012 Sundance Film Festival to great acclaim and helped move forward the careers of star Mary Elizabeth Weinstead and director James Ponsoldt. Uh, The film itself is the story of Kate after public displays of urination and vomiting, as well as a quick dalliance in smoking crack, turning to Alcoholic Anonymous to help get herself sober. Her decision causes a rift in the relationship with her also alcoholic and codependent husband, Charlie, played by 2012's Aaron Paul. And the movie is at its best and most realist when they let these two actors tear into what could have been a more maudlin storyline. Outside of themes of recovery and how substance abuse can wreck our emotional development, the real story here is the wonderful Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who earned a ton of praise and was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. It lost to the Jennifer Lawrence Silver Linings Playbook year. Uh, The more the pressing of the two movies we're covering today, Chris, thoughts? Hey, Caleb. Well, um, I think before we started the episode, we were talking about how this was like a supremely 2012 movie. And I really do feel that. I mean, the cast, right? You have to say it's Mariels with Winston and Aaron Paul, which is like, you know, this is it was it wasn't Breaking Bad wasn't over yet. I think this was like maybe like the very peak of its popularity until until the end when it was even more popular. But like kind of weird to have him in the movie. Kind of weird to have him in the movie. I don't think he's particularly good in the movie. I, I think Aaron Paul is good in some stuff, but I don't think he's good in this movie. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he is a self-taught actor, and that can work for the first breakout character, which was named Jesse Pinkman, and it did work, and I've that show was great. For, I love Breaking Bad. Uh, but it does come off very much the same over time and he is doing commercials now but i'm not ever gonna hate on uh, aaron paul it's good in bojack he's good in bojack horseman he's good in i even thought he was good in that season of westworld like you know i don't know if you watched that did you watch that no yeah he's 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 not bad in that honestly well the way (laughs) his his affect works well in the show i will say this I just kind of felt like he was like unmoored. I felt I felt a lot of times like these people weren't being directed all that hard. Did you feel that uh, way? I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like the directing was more in the uh, amp up situations where like it was more about Mary Elizabeth Weinstein. Uh, maybe hard. I don't know. I mean, I think he didn't want to overstep because it was a huge get to get Aaron Paul at this point if anything. Uh, so he just let his actors act. I think he does that. That's why I think he works. Uh, 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 James Ponsel, uh, uh, I will talk about him in a sec, but a uh, uh, hallmark of him is he always hires uh, comedians for to fill out his movies. And this movie, 
we get uh, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman to light, not lighten a little bit and uh, help carry a weird fake pregnancy subplot. It's and like so you were weird. saying just during uh, so weird. the uh, another round that it, like does it, it avoids a lot of just uh, another round avoided like some cliche stuff. This is like a, a, a dumb storyline where like she flows up in front of her class, another drunk yeah. teacher movie. I mean, um, and she uh, pretends to be pregnant to avoid talking to the teacher about it. And it's Megan Mullally. And that's interesting enough because Megan Mullally is an interesting actor. She's good. Yeah. And it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, she is so great in this movie. I mean, like you said, it's, it was yeah. good for her career. Like I, you know, I've always thought she's, she's great in a lot of stuff. There's in the, in the early fun scenes where you're supposed to think it's fun that she's getting drunk. Um, she just has this, energy that's really great and it is really funny actually because another round is about a bunch of teachers that are secretly getting drunk and that is also the first scene of this movie is that she's a teacher and she's getting drunk in the parking lot and um but then you see her and she's teaching and it's just like another round she's like really engaged and she's really having fun and the kids are learning and clapping and she does drink before school yeah yeah and so like that's really good i i like that a lot um but what i was gonna say was crashing down pretty quickly right after that scene uh, i I forgot how quickly dark this movie got basically it's it's the scene i'm talking about and specifically i'm remembering where she's doing karaoke where she's being very cute and this is like the the scene that's supposed to be like oh she's a a fun time person like immediately after that scene she is smoking crack with a homeless person (laughs) like she's like somehow gets roped into smoking crack with someone which um i thought that scene was it's basically she picks up this woman outside the the, the bar is like, oh, hey, I my friend left me here. I don't have a ride. You know, could you give me a ride? And it's kind of like a joke, you know. But then she does give her a ride. She's like, okay, fine, I'll give you a ride. And then the woman is like, do you mind if I smoke? And then she starts smoking crack, which is like, it is almost like like an SNL sketch or something, right? And then, but then um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like, what are you doing? Oh my God, are you smoking crack? And the woman's like, you've never smoked crack? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> just like I thought it was such an awesome way to play that scene. I thought it was really funny. But then it's like, yeah, she's like smoking crack under a bridge. And then like I actually thought one of the least realistic things about the movie was that she like falls asleep af- on the ground after smoking crack. I was like, look, the one thing this woman is not going to be doing is going to sleep if she's been smoking crack all night with these people. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll tie that into a bit of the I think the best stuff of this movie uh, and I said in my intro is the relationships up and that is her and Aaron Paul and I think Aaron Paul's best scenes are the more raw scenes in this movie as you say like she like comes out uh, like doesn't come home some night she's like there's like two scenes in a row where she just wakes up somewhere and we do see when she gets home that like he is caring for her like oh I I, I was worried and stuff uh, and it's weird because like he was also drinking heavily with him uh and that like establishes that like oh there's a tenderness there about their alcoholism so once she starts sobering up <laughs> uh we can see how the alcohol can keep that re- kept that relationship together uh by helping ignore maybe some of the more darker aspects of it to which come out later on in more of their fight scenes but once she gets sober he stays the same and we just see those problems come to fruition uh, there's a great scene with one of the great actresses, Mary Kay Place, uh, plays the mother. They go visit her mother. She it's established that he has a bad relationship with her mother. And he's just there. And it's, like you said, he's 
I don't know if another actor would have done it in a different way, but he's just there. <laughs> uh, he's not supportive whatsoever. She tells him that she she's t- telling her mother, her alcoholic mother, that she's sober, uh, and it kind of snowballs itself into like he. You can see more her him more resenting her for being sober. Uh, like money issues start coming up, and uh, I think the big thing that he's like he tells his friends secrets about their relationship while he's drunk. Uh, and it really just comes to, I mean, uh, to evoke another great drunk movie. Uh, I actually watched this uh, recently, rewatched it recently. Um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Elizabeth uh, Taylor fucking owning a fucking scene. Like, the re- there's a reckoning scene with Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, where she... It's Winstead. It's uh, Winstead. Winstead. Through Smash, she gets sober. Yeah, so, of course, Jewish. there is a... <laughs> she falls off the wagon scene. And it is intense as anything. And it's with her husband, Aaron Paul. And it is like, won't you fuck me right now? And, like, hitting each other and pushing each other. I, I was... This is, like, my uh, first time watching it since it first came out. I was kind of, like, tepid on it. You're like, oh, I forgot that this is very dated, 2012, like we were saying. But then this scene came on, and I was like, there it is. That's why I remember liking this movie. This is just what I like about film right here. Good really? In this movie? The fell off the wagon scene, yeah. The fell off the wagon scene, yeah. I mean, I I found that scene to be, like, a little cringy. I felt... I See, this is one yeah, of the man, scenes where I... But I don't think it was cringy. I felt it was cringy, like meta textually. I thought I was watching Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I mean, I guess I don't know. I guess it was somewhere between on purpose and not on purpose. Because I guess I was, for I must have torn between like imagining this is a real person and being around them and how annoying I would, how annoyed I would feel at this person for acting this way. And and Aaron Paul does seem annoyed and concerned also. Um, and then also thinking like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is acting annoying. And, and I don't really necessarily believe that this is how a real person would act in this situation. It seems more like she is acting like this, if you know what I mean. I, but I was somewhere I mean, in the middle. I was somewhere in the middle on that. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I've never been around someone who, uh, I guess she was like sober for a couple months at that point, then just uh, got fired from her job. And it, it was like oddly scary. But yeah, it is just like this thing you can't really look away. It's a train wreck. It's You can't it's really look away wreck, from yeah. it, yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to say, like, going back to the beginning, and this is, like, the point I was making, like, 20 minutes ago, <laughs> which I never got around to, but, like, what I think is so beautiful and what makes another round work so well is that it's not a, it's not just about watching someone drinking. It's about, like, the relationships between the people, and it's about the, you know thinking about the point of life and it's about, you know, reconnecting with people or losing connections with people and maybe reconnecting as a kind of different versions of yourself. But it just seemed very like, it, it wasn't about the drinking. It was about the things that caused the drinking. You know what I mean? It was about the, sure. the emotions. Whereas I feel like this movie is like, it's the plot is about watching someone get sober. And I didn't really yeah. understand why she was drunk in the first place. And I honestly didn't understand why she wanted to get sober in the first place, because it seems like her relationship <laughs> with Aaron Paul was working great. You know, uh, I mean, there was, at her job was, and, you know, I don't know if she spoke crack that one nasty, time, I guess, yeah. you know, like, I mean, smoking crack and publicly peeing at a convenience store and throwing up in front of children. I mean, those are a lot of word excites. Those are all bad. I mean, those are all bad. Yeah. Uh, it, is a little bit smacks up privilege because as a young person, 
right and they're all so young yeah Yeah. hot and And even uh, aaron paul is supposed to be rich in the movie you know oh yeah yeah that's a that's a point of contention yeah he uh he plays a music he's a music journalist and she yells at him like you get to hang out with you just got a job you can hang out with musicians dude i will say as a former music journalist (laughs) i did feel kind of like a little bit attacked (laughs) by this movie where he he just kept saying like oh yeah i finished my article and i was like oh yeah i guess that's what i said she's like you just want to get drunk and hang out with bands and i was like oh yeah i guess that was like 10 years of my life like uh, also oh yeah he owns his house in highland park in la uh which is you know uh, at the time in 2012 it, and they, they do a good job of showing la around uh it was yeah a, it's a very weird was, la movie was, right at the time uh it was a very uh, as you can say the hispanic neighborhood gentrifying especially with these two white people <laughs> well it's interesting because they never like have a car they're always riding bikes and like yeah. he, aaron paul gets like arrested for a dui on a bike which is it's not a dui it's public intoxication but it's like it's a dui on a yeah. bike um but it's really it's an interesting la movie it's showing you like points of view on los angeles you never really see and it, it feels very disorienting it doesn't feel like any other la movie that you've seen feels very lived in you know like people who are not rich who live in los angeles you know sure sure um i mean unless you uh, can we talk a little bit ahead, about the, the trajectory of this director james Ponson? oh yeah i was i was actually just about to bring bring him up that's what i wanted to talk about um uh, so yeah james Ponsolt. uh he did uh, a movie in like 2006 called off the black it starred uh, nick nolte it uh it got decent re- reviews and it was also about uh he was uh uh umpire high school umpire and he was also alcoholic uh so that's his first movie and a couple years later uh he did smashed which is uh he wrote with his friend about her experience of being an alcoholic uh and that helped you know establish him and won some uh, got a lot of award notice and then came uh i think his best movie the spectacular now uh, which is about Miles Teller being a high school student who's an alcoholic. Yeah, so, alcoholic, yeah. and also star Cheyenne Woodley, also star Cheyenne Woodley, and Bob Odenkirk. Uh, he always casts comedians in his movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, Spectacular was great in the sense that it really made high school realistic. In the sense that they, uh, of course, high school students could be alcoholics, and this movie really just like ripped that off a little bit. And Charlie Woodley's great in it. Uh, it's just a very lived reality movie. And then a couple years, two years later after that, so we're up to 2015 now, he did an underrated movie, uh, End of the Tour. I don't know how you feel about it, but I always thought that movie was underrated. It's a two-hander with you know, I have Eisenberg such... and uh, a very Jason underrated Siegel. Jason yeah. Siegel as David Foster Wallace. Uh, I mean, I have I such complicated okay. feelings. I never actually saw this movie because <laughs> I, I am one of these people. You have people... complicated movies about a movie you haven't seen. No, well, I am one of these people that, like, when I was a... Movie. What, no, it's actually really sweet, if you let me say it. It's uh, When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was very influenced by David Foster Wallace. I used to read, you know, I lived in Port St. Lucie in this little town in Florida that was like nowhere. I would get all his books and I would read them and it just seemed like a whole other world that I wanted to be a part of. And it was really, you know, I found it very admirable and strange and it was something to think about. And I was like a smart kid and I played tennis and I was like, oh, I'm so I was so, so into it. And I understand now at this point in history, it's like, or even in 2015, it's like such a cliche. It's like oh, uh, something a hot girl can say on Twitter to like, you know, get 10,000 likes. It's like, if he has infinite jest on his bookcase, like get out of there. It's like such a cliche now. So when it, when it came out, I just felt like, I don't know. I just didn't, I just felt like I couldn't see it. You know, I just felt like I couldn't see it. Like whether it was good or whether it was bad or whatever, I just, 
it was too much for me, really. Because you played tennis, you can't see it. <laughs> you don't be a dick. You know what I'm saying. I wasn't being very I, I, genuine just then. I know. I, I was wanted to give you a hard time, but I think it's a very uh, acting wise. I think uh, Seagull does such a good job with it. It's uh, it's hard to do with these talky films, uh, but it's really good. There's a great uh, scene where they just talk about Broken Arrow. I thought was very very good, and I always think about him, David Foster Wallace, Jason Seagull's David Foster Wallace. Uh, talking about how he doesn't own a TV. Like, oh, he just left. I would just leave it on and not do anything. I would just watch it the whole time. Like, yeah, I get that. I love it. So it gets back to James Palms a little bit. So he's made, like, movies that I was really into, uh, a fan of. Uh, he's established himself as a director. Yes. Into. And but. then he did, uh, I got a budget. Uh, he got to adapt Dave Eggers' The Circle, which was critically acclaimed, some number of book awards. And Ball was dropped. I don't know Wait, who stars Tom Hanks and it stars Emma Watson. John like- Boyega. John uh, Boyer, comic, comic releases. He got Patton Oswald. I don't. I just wanted to add Patton Oswald in there. So yeah. he got a a big. This is a big deal movie. People were talking about this movie. Circle. If you don't know, it's like a Google esque company Facebook run by could company, be evil. Yeah. And uh, part of the part of the problem with it in general is like even though the book was so highly acclaimed, Dave Eggers famously like doesn't use social media at all and literally had no idea what he was talking about. And he made this book he wrote this entire book without having ever used facebook google or twitter ever in his life it was just based on like reading about it in in, in the new york times and hearing stories on npr so it it's like it, did... it kind of doesn't get it right at all you know he kind of doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about i mean people like the book a lot uh but the movie just so cliche there's nothing original about it, it just so it was so disappointing i remember watching it being so disappointed and i really try not to dislike movies and i was like just even bringing it up, I was like, ah, I don't even want to waste my time talking about it too much. So that was in 2017, and he basically has never done anything since then. He directed like one episode of TV since then, and like that's it. Uh, history. Yeah, he's directed uh, some Masters of None. I like, which I don't know if we like that. That show. was before. Uh, that was before that. Oh, it was oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I always saw his name pop up, but yeah, it's he poof went away. I actually have written my notes. Poof, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he might be a producer now or something, but like... I did see a TBD credit when I was looking uh, for something called West of Sunset, which I think is an adaptation of uh, another cool thing. I don't know, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I'm eager for him to go back to more of these earlier, uh, less expensive movies. But Well, it is interesting because you kind of glossed over it. You said like he did this thing with Nick Nolte and then a few years later he made Smashed. It was in fact six years later, which is like actually a very, very long time. Long time yeah. So we we could just be in one of those periods for him and I hope he comes back and does something interesting. But yeah, true. Yeah, he definitely yeah, reached like a certain kind of peak of his career and like completely fucked up, you know? So we'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> you yeah, know? Uh, hopefully there's a appraisal for the spectacular now coming, Malik. I don't know... Uh... But yeah, it was, even Miles Teller was having all those movies where he's uh, had a drinking problem too. So it was kind of a he met his muse with Miles Teller in the spectacular. Does he have a alcoholic. drinking problem in uh, the the drums one? Does he have a drinking problem? What's the drums one? What's the the movie by the La La Land guy where he plays the drums and? Um... Oh yeah, he, uh, not re- not really. Uh, that one's called Whiplash. I love Whiplash. Whiplash, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiplash. He doesn't actually that one. No. Yeah, yeah, but he kind of he has like a drums problem, is what he has. He is addicted to drums, yeah, and it's just as destructive to his life as being addicted to alcohol. You know, hey, his dad's Paul Reiser, and they just want to watch old movies and put bonbons in their popcorn. That is the kind of dad I am going to be. Just (laughs) FYI, I want to watch old movies and eat bonbons and have my popcorn. That sounds great. That's a good Um, dad. 
should we move on to talking about uh caleb which of these two movies let's say you had to get like really embarrassingly drunk and do some mm. kind of in public urination and then pass out if you didn't pick which of these movies you liked Ba-ba-ba-dum. so i'm gonna pick another round and that's basically because it is a better movie uh just flat out uh nothing yeah, against yeah. smash it's fine for what it is it did seem a little dated when i rewatched it and what i think its legacy will be the great mary elizabeth weinstead she, uh before this she was doing a lot of support in bigger movies she was in like death proofs she was the john mcclain's daughter in live free or die hard she had a big breakout in scott pilgrim the thing sequel that i would never recommend to somebody unless they actually talk to me about it because the ending is kind of cool uh but this kind of was a turning point where she got to star in more indie movies like faults with riley stearns uh christmas Eve is directing to be alex of venice those are interesting movies that she got to star in stretcher things and she's really balanced her career out with these indie and more ensemble work since then i will always shout her out for a movie i didn't like birds of prey which was about uh Haley. no what was the character's name joker's girlfriend harley quinn is what you're harley looking for quinn there, is what i'm looking for but that's uh more of a legacy of mary liz weinstead who's great uh Another Round is just a special movie from uh, an acclaimed director who uh, I honestly, I, I'm inspired to go because there's a lot of patches. I have movies I haven't seen of his. Uh, I'm going to go track them down because I have enjoyed even Dear Wendy. I enjoyed to some extent. Uh, but yeah, uh, phenomenal film. The, the, uh, the stuff with his daughter just makes it so much more inspiring. Uh, I It's probably going to get an oscar nomination this year and i think so to too win, for, yeah. for mad i mean it'll be probably be nominated for best foreign language but best like mads, language. Yeah. mads might even be nominated feature. for best actor he might be there, there's a groundswell for it there's a groundswell for it best international feature is what we call it best international feature yes of course of course <laughs> um i totally agree with you caleb another round is like an amazing touching thoughtful film i felt very moved by it it was amazing to watch and I felt it was like a really rare film. Like I said, it's exactly the kinds of things I I consume any art to get the feeling I got from this this movie. And it was it was amazing. Uh, as it, well, all due respect to Smash, which definitely had its its um you know good points to it. And it was interesting to see the ways it synced up with another round, like this teacher thing. There was a peeing on each other scene. There was like there was a lot of it. It did hit a lot of the same beats in a certain way as sure. um, another round, but like not in the same way. It, it, I would say it compared unfavorably, you know, to the other movie through no fault of its own. It's a completely different movie with completely different objectives made in a completely different situation. But like, you know, if you're going to ask me which one to pick, which is what I was asking, then yeah, definitely another round a hundred percent. I do. I think we're going to hear about it at Oscar time. I mean, the thing I keep saying to people, Catherine and I, my wife, we talk about this. It's like, there's not that many movies came out, you know? So if there's like a really good movie, like it's chances are really good of getting nominated. Yeah, we're hoping for, I'm hoping for First Cow a bunch, but I don't think that's going to happen for me. I'm hoping for Kelly for First Cow, but that's just me. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, but if you had to pick a movie to recommend where Nick Offerman says moist pussy. Oh my God, you gotta, you yeah. You got go smashed. It's funny because right now I'm watching both Perks and Rec and Making It, the show that he, the like craft show. Yeah, yeah. And then to see him in this movie, like wearing a fake goatee and saying moist pussy, I was like, oh my God, guys, come on, Nick, what are you doing? It works for the plot. It works. It for does. The plot. It works for the plot. He's a creepy um, guy. <laughs> he's kind of a weirdo. He's like a sweet, 
weirdo, but also a creep, but like kind of sweet, a sweet creep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't even mention uh, Octavia uh, Spencer. Octavia who's, Spencer, who's right? Who's a big part of the movie. Too. Yeah, exactly. Speaking <laughs> of things about the movie that are so 2012, like Octavia hey, Spencer. She's forever. She's great. She's great. But she also has this, she has like a big supporting part. That's a very like 2012 Octavia Spencer. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, that's the show, kids. Thank you so much for coming. What a great time we had. Caleb, what a nice young man you are. Also, uh, another point of contention is that fucking shitty actor who was in Boyhood. He was fine when he was uh, two through seventeen, but when he got to eighteen, I was like, "Oh, this kid fucking sucks now." And every time I see him, I think he's a horrible actor. Uh, he was in uh, The Good Lord Bird. I don't know why because he's friends with Ethan Hawke, but I don't even remember that kid's name. I fucking hate that kid actor. <laughs> yeah, that sucks.